0: everyone so glad you're here this weekend and if you're a guest welcome to Northridge we are so excited that you're here this weekend and it's going to be a great one we're in a series called unforgettable each communicator is sharing with us an unforgettable truth that absolutely changed their life and I'm really believing that this weekend will become an unforgettable truth in your life the communicator we have with us is the purpose-driven pastor of culture and evangelism with Saddleback Community Church. It's a very impacting church, a sister church, really, in Southern California. And and this communicator is really, really experienced at, at developing and impacting and pastoring leaders and innovators all around the world, both in the church and outside the church. And I'm so grateful he said yes to coming to Northridge this weekend. And so, with great anticipation and expectation, I'm asking you to help me give a great big Northridge welcome to Mingo Palacios.
1: Good morning. I hope you guys are well. Such an awesome message from Brad, me and the guy I've never met before. He says such nice things about me. But I have spent some incredible time together with the team, the staff here, and so many of the volunteers. And you guys have just hosted so incredibly well. You you have done nothing. But the teams and services behind you have been so gracious. You get their praise and you get their applause. So thank you for having me. Um, it is an honor to get to share. I. I uh, I was stalking your guys' Sundays for the last several weeks as I got the invitation to come and share with you guys this morning. And you have had some phenomenal Sunday speakers over the last several weeks. Amen. They've been so good. Um, and before we get going here, I wanted to welcome the extension campuses. Uh, all of them spelled phonetically different than they're actually said. So. Uh, so make sure we've got them right. Brighton, I understand Brighton, you're with us, and I'm excited that you guys are here. We've got Celine, not to be mistaken with Saline, not the, uh, not this, don't call it Saline. I was like quickly reminded it's like Celine, like Mexican Salina, like that. So welcome. And then finally, uh, it's the most challenging of them all. It's it's not it's not gross isle, I know that. And it's not, it's not gross eel. Although some said that was close. It's like Brazil, but Brazil, Brazil. <laughs> that, that is it. That, welcome to church. I'm glad you're here. I'm sorry I can't say your name. You probably can't say my name. It doesn't matter. We're friends. Um, my name is Mingo, it's short for Domingo. If you wanna know what it is, it's a, it's a Mexican name, it's a Spanish name, Latino name, I'm named after my dad, who's named after a saint. Today's Sunday, my name means Sunday, so this is obviously meant to be, right? <laughs> this is supposed to happen. Um, but I was watching that intro video and I loved, I, I was watching it, the road trip back to grandma's house. Are you guys about that, you see that, you like that? I was like, wow. I have no clue what that is like right there because my road trip back to my grandparents' house in Mexico was like, the only clips if it was a video of our road trip would have just been like a fury of my mom's hand in the back seat, (laughs) like with my younger brothers because I'm the oldest of three, right? And when we grew up, there were no like iPads, iPhones. Like I had friends who had a, a world different to me. They had like VCRs in the back of their like minivans. That was like, what? You're rich, bro, VCR, right? So to me, it was just like drive. My parents would drive like 90 miles an hour to get there. And then it was just a fury of my mom's. Like we had the belt when I grew up, anybody? Like the belt was like our discipline, right? That was like not, don't, do not spank your kid with the belt nowadays, you'll go straight to jail. But for us, like timeout was like assessing the damage to your body <laughs> from your parents, right? Like that was... That was me growing up, and then getting to my grandparents' house was like the best ever. You prayed that you would get there during the daytime, because my grandparents, they had a house in Mexico. It was in Ensenada. I grew up on the West Coast. Um, We were only like an hour and a half from our parents, my grandparents' house in Mexico. We were only like 20 minutes from the border, so getting down to Mexico was gorgeous, all the way down the Baja Coast. They lived in Ensenada, Mexico, right on the the bay front there. And if you got there at night, oh, when I was a kid, if you got there at night, I just weep between the car and like a porch like this where there was like, I don't know, seven, ten feet concrete slab before the house. My grandparents wouldn't come out of the house because they didn't want to deal with the patio. There was just like cockroaches for days On the space between, like, where you would have to walk up onto the concrete slab in their house. And at night, it was like, I would look at it and I just weep because I was just terrified to walk across the patio. So it was. In in Southern California, there's those signs that have like uh, there's like one person holding the hand of another person holding the hand of another person whose feet aren't even on the ground. Right, they're running somewhere. That was like me running across the patio of my grandparents' house, and then we would run to to miss the cockroaches, and then I would hear like my brother like no because he'd be carried away by some of the cockroaches. <laughs> he would be gone. They're big, like they're so big, like the back, the tentacles would like scratch the backs of your legs. And that's how I knew I love my grandparents because I would, I would run the gauntlet to them, but they wouldn't come out. And the, the, it's funny, that video had like a dog that was like running out. It was like, yay, I'm happy you're here. Like my grandparents' dogs would just attack us. Like that was, it was just... Like they were just dogs that protected from other people, so they didn't know us. They would just be like, Rawr, rah, rah, Like that was us. So that was like, "Oh my gosh, what kind of Pleasantville unicorn century is this?" Um, <laughs> so I'm super thankful to be here. I I, I am from Southern California. I grew up, uh, I grew up in a in a loving home, and we didn't have much. And uh, I spent most of my life between uh, Mexico and. Uh, the United States, as my, my dad was born and raised in Mexico, my mom was uh, part of a, a military family that traveled everywhere. And you can imagine, uh, as I, about a month ago, got the phone call to come and, and be a part of your guys' Unforgettable series, you know, I'm listening to the same news you guys are listening to. I'm hearing all the same devastations that you guys are listening to. And as I was listening to all the sermons leading up to this point, I'm thinking, man, God is, is obviously speaking something so clearly to Northridge, right? He's, he's, he's setting you up to be a light in a dark place. He's setting you up to be living water where there is none. He's setting you up to be a beacon of hope for people everywhere in this place. And I think to myself, how great to be a part of this moment inside of this community for, for this purpose. And having a, a history and in, in running into the church for hope myself I can't imagine a better time to be a part of a community that's all in for Jesus. And I love it written everywhere, all over your doors, it just says all in, we're all in. And so I just pray that this morning is gonna be something that feeds your soul. And I wanna catch you between the eyes and I'm hoping that it does. I'm hoping that Jesus really arrives at our at our shoreline this morning and he beckons us to a deeper place. So I want to I pray for our service this morning. I want to pray that God continues to be present as he's already here and that we would just experience him in the fullness of his word. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this morning and thank you for the families that are here. I pray that no matter what condition we find ourselves in, Lord, that you would just rock us. Lord, that you would peel back the the layers of skepticism, Lord, that you would brush away whatever it is that's, that's hindering us from experiencing you and your total loving graciousness, God. We thank you for your scripture this morning. We pray that it would just elevate, that it would ring true in our hearts. In your name I pray, amen. So we're in the book of Luke this morning, the book of Luke chapter 5, and uh, I am always naturally drawn to Jesus in the Gospels as he pertains and works himself around uh, stories of fishing. I just, I love it. I'm not a fisherman. I I have no business fishing. My genes would tell you that. Um, They're thin and skinny. That's fair, right? But uh, there's not a lot of stretch motion in these bad boys. But I love fishing because my grandfather, my dad's dad, was a commercial fisherman in Mexico. Um, His whole life was devoted to taking people on once-in-a-lifetime fishing experiences. And when the fishing wasn't good, my dad would be, Um, along with my grandfather on hunting excursions. So if he wasn't fishing, he was hunting in the mountains of Baja and people would literally pay money to come and get in my grandfather's international and drive down the dirt roads all the way to the bottom of Baja to experience what it would be like to fish in just unrestricted wilderness in God country, Mexico God country, the better God country, right? So um, I love that, in Scripture, there are so many accounts of fishing because it just throws me back. So I'm just going to take you on like a throwback to one of my favorite accounts of Jesus in Scripture. It's, it, it's marked at the top of the chapter, Jesus calling the first disciples. So this is, this is the, the call to action for those who Jesus will invite to be a part of the journey for the next three years of his ministry. And it starts off like this. It says, On one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him, that's Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of those boats and were washing their nets. The context is, is phenomenal. In chapter four, the Bible tells us that Jesus was preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. And at the most basic level, the good news is that the kingdom of God, and I'll just explain this as basic as possible, is that God, the creator of all heavens and earth and mankind alike, humanity fashioned and made in the image of God, we belong to him. Whether you recognize it, whether you you surrender to it or not, you were made by somebody whose intention is to reconcile you back to him. And the kingdom of God is the way things ought to be as marked out and planned originally by our maker. There's this this beautiful picture of the, the way things ought to be in economic and sociologic and humanity set. In its right place. That's the promise of the kingdom of God as he intended life to be. And Jesus spends the better part of three years as he's walking amongst people, deflecting back to that kingdom intention that his father set out. And Jesus, through chapter 5, He's teaching people in his hometown in synagogues, and eventually the the word and the buzz about Jesus is getting so popular and so massive that he's exiting the synagogues. He's leaving the churches because they can't fill them fast enough for the message of hope that he's delivering to a widely hopeless people. And as he's making his way teaching, the Bible says that he's found kind of at his his back to the Sea of Galilee in a sense, and the people are pressing in on him as he's teaching the good news of an intended way of life by way of his father. And the Bible says that he comes up on, on two boats that are pulled up to the shore out of the water, and there's a group of fishermen that are mending their nets. And the, the action of mending your nets would have been an end-of-the-day Action. It would have been a task that they would have had to complete at the end of a workday. And so I just can't help but think, as we get started this morning, that Jesus is on the move already, Jesus is clearly doing something in our communities. He's doing something in the church, capital C, that we get to be a part of. And here's the beauty of it, that in scripture it shows us that Jesus engages us at the most basic levels to be a part of the work that he and his father are doing. You and I get an invitation to be a part of the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And what's beautiful about it is that he engages us just as we are. And for these fishermen, they're at the end of a workday and we're gonna find out, actually, really simply, it says, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him, put out a little from the land and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Jesus is so gracious. I love that in scripture, it says that he asks Simon, would you put out a little? There's something really great about who Jesus is in comparison to who our society tells us Jesus and God and Christianity are all about. I'll tell you this much this morning, you need to know that Jesus is full of grace. Jesus is never going to break the doors down on your life. If you're on the fence about engaging him or if you're on the fence about surrendering your life to him, I'm gonna tell tell you this much, that he stands on the shoreline, I love this analogy of your life, and he just asks you, with what you've got, would you be willing to put out a little bit because I'm doing something. I'm at work here. As a church, Northridge, would you be willing to, to join me in this effort together? I love that Jesus calls us not just to be takers of the good news, but to be partakers of the good news. And for the, the fishermen, he, he asked, would you, would you set out a little bit into the shallows so that I might teach the monster massive need of delivering hope to a, a community that is so hopeless." And they oblige. I love it. They set out, and Jesus continues to teach the crowd. And when he's done teaching, his attention goes over to Simon. And it says this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets out for a catch. And Simon answered him, Master, we toiled all night long, and we took nothing. Nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. I love in the ESV, I don't know about your Bible, but in my Bible, it's got an exclamation mark at the end of, we took nothing. It's probably, I think it's probably humanity's greatest display of itself. See, Jesus asking him, You're really good at this. I understand you're the fisherman. The word master, by way of Simon responding to Jesus, he gives him him the respect as a human. He goes, master, listen, we toiled all night long. This is my business. I know what I'm doing. Me and the boys were out in multiple boats near the bluffs, near the shore, out in the deep, in the shallows, and all night long, we were out with the anticipation to come up with something, and we came up with nothing. We came up short. he says it with an exclamation mark, which makes me think that he's getting a little, like, toothy with Jesus, right? It's been a rough night, right? I don't know about you, Jesus. Your hands look a little soft. See my hands? My hands are a little callous. I've been about this thing for a little bit, and I don't know if you think because... I don't know, you're Jesus, I understand you're a great teacher, right? But for the fishermen, they don't know the complexity of a Savior that's standing in the shorefronts with them. And they go, I don't know about you, Jesus, but it's been a little tough for us recently. I feel like we, we have that common ground as a society right now. Right, we have that common ground as a nation right now. I don't know about you, but it's been a little rough for us. And I come from San Diego, right? That's where I have spent the last 10 years of my life serving my local church. And just in the last week, we, we had to deal with two fallen officers in our hometown. And just to think week after week after week, in this church, the speakers have been talking about the unsettledness of our country. And I can't help but think, yeah, that's one level, but you know what another level of unsettling is? Just our personal lives, Just the turmoil of our personal state. And I'm telling you this, Jesus is good enough to bring that uncertainty to. And he puts it on display with Simon. Simon goes, you know what? It's been really sucky the last few nights. Excuse my French. That's not French, but... It's been so terrible, Jesus. You don't, you don't understand what we've been through and you don't understand I've been with all my effort trying to get to something and we've come up short. And I, I love the response that Jesus has in it. He doesn't say anything. Exclamation point, but at your word I'll let down my nets. I can imagine the scenario, Peter just laying his life out. Simon, Simon Peter is the same guy. He, he's laying his frustrations in front of Jesus, and I love Jesus. He's probably just like. <laughs> and are you gonna do what I ask you to do? See, there's such a progression, a, gr- a progression of grace in Jesus. At one point when he enters into their familiar space, the boats are on the shore. He says, would you let me speak from your boats? Would you let me enter your space? Would you let me use what you have, time, talent, treasure? Would you let me enter your world? And there's no, there's no cost to them other than just saying yes, because he's addressing the crowd. But once that invitation is had and they say yes, now the opportunity to have Jesus look at you and have Jesus look at your scenario is at hand. And he goes, hey, thanks for letting me get into this space, but now let's talk about you. That's the beauty and the progression of Jesus is that he doesn't bombard us with an attack on us and our doubt and our shortcomings. He goes grace by grace by grace. And eventually he wants to know if you'd be willing to go out into the deep with him. And he, he beckons and he says, would you let your nets out for a catch? We gotta go to the deep in order to get it. And the Bible says, it's so good. The Bible says, At your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking, and they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came, and they filled both boats so that they both began to sink. Yeah, what's up, fishermen? Fisher ladies in the house, right? I love to think of the like woohoo fish what right? I like that idea, but you know where my brains go to first, and I, this is just a confession. I think of the fact that well, I, I have to imagine the the casting moment because Jesus calls each of us to make a cast, if you will, in our own lives, and so so frustrated, and so empty, and so come up short, and so doubting who Jesus is, they oblige, and they go, okay, master, one, the word master means one who has authority, so they've obviously recognized that he's somebody who teaches, there's a crowd willing to listen to him, them being fishermen, right, nobody's like, oh wow, Bob, look at how great he's fishing, unbelievable, right, they don't really have, they don't have a crowd, did you hear that, because I blocked the mic, oh my gosh, that was crazy, okay, People don't say, wow, look at Peter. What an amazing cast. So good, Tom. Look at the power bait. Unbelievable, right? They don't have an audience the way Jesus has an audience. And so they give him at least that much respect, and they go, okay, Jesus, if you're gonna ask it of us, sure. But I'm certain that the cast went like this boys, let's get the boat out to the deep. It's just gonna take like another 30, I don't know how many minutes. Let's just get this guy off our backs. Let's go out into the water. They let the nets out, which should be a full motion of the body to cast a net To effectively do it, it's got to be one of two ways. There's weights on a net all the way around it. You, with all of your might, have to throw it either from a shore or from the bow of the boat. You fling a net so that the weight drops as quickly as it hits the water, and there's a drawstring on the net, and when they yank it, it captures the fish. That's one way to do it. The other way, which is, I think, more culturally relevant, is that there's a boat. It's a lead boat. It has all the netting inside of it, and that boat lays. One side of the net has weights on the bottom. The other side of the net has, um, like, buoys or something that will allow it to float on the top, and they lead out the nets out of a single boat, and that boat sets like a fence line for the fish, for the catch, Then the second boat, which is why there's two boats in this story, would have circled back around that fence line, and then the fishermen inside of that boat would have banged on or caused a commotion that would have resonated through the water, which would have scurried all the fish towards the nets. It's an incredible sight to be seen. I've spent so many years of my youth fishing just like that as a kid with my grandfather in Mexico. And and as the, as the nets start to receive the fish, you watch the buoy lines on top just bounce in a fury. And that boat will draw its drawstring and it will start to enclose the massive catch. But for the disciples, still fishermen in this moment, I'm assuming the cast, the let down your nets, looked probably like this. Just so over it, right? Jesus, you want me to do what? Listen, man, I've done it a 100 times. I know exactly what you're trying to get. And I'm telling you, I have been there and I have come up empty. So here's your effort. Just launch the net. I feel like God's goodness, his grace comes back tenfold, even when our hearts aren't all the way there. I love, there's a statement that my boss says that I love so much. He says, God wants us to be all in even though we're not all there. Don't you love that? He wants us to be all in even though we're not yet all there. We don't have everything it takes by way of faith to understand the complexities of God, but he's beckoning us to cast our nets because his goodness will turn the catch. And I love that probably the most minuscule effort turns into a massive problem. And it, it sounds amazing, right? Two boatfuls. It says that they were trying to pull in the nets, and I just imagine Peter like, but here's the nets, Jesus, is that good enough for you? Like, ah, my back, right? And he's like, just anchoring over and his toes are clipped to the edge of the boat. And he's like, no, seriously, guys, we have a massive problem right now. And all the guys are like, hey, that was pretty funny, Simon. Look how stupid he, you know, like playing the part. And he goes, no, actually, if you don't call the other boats, like we are gonna sink. They call the other boats. The Bible says they start hauling fish into the point where now both boats are what? Sinking. And if you take this in an economic viewpoint, they had just spent an entire night as a company, several people relying on their catch in order to pay not just their bills, their rent, their cell phone bill, and trust me, it was really expensive back then, <laughs> to put food on the table, to pay for the expenses of the company. They needed that night's catch in order to do another day's work. Does this make sense? So now all of a sudden they've got two They've got two boats full of fish, which is like the mother load. It is the best payday, best week of work these guys have ever had, ever. And yet, the response in literal look is that their boats are sinking. The Bible says that their nets are stretching, they're ripping. And if you take the practical side of it, the nets being their systems on how they catch the fish Jesus is clearly allowing their nets to be stretched. And their securities, which is the boat, right? That is how we do work. That's how we get what we need. Their security is being sunk at the moment. And I I, I love this because I wrote it down. I said, it's so interesting that, that Jesus, in a moment of provision, Will still allow at the exact same time stretching but not breaking, right? He'll allow the nets to be broken but they're not broke. Does that make sense? They're being stretched but it's not totally disintegrated. He'll allow the boats to start sinking but never sunk. That's the goodness of our Lord. He will allow. Your securities and your systems to be challenged if it means that your eyes will be found on Him and Him alone. And that's a hard one to swallow. But I think that Peter's response, it hits all of us between the eyes, me especially. It says, When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his knees and he said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. I love his response. Listen, when you're found in trial and when you're found in challenge and when you see uncertainty on the horizon, I pray your first response is not a shaking hand and a fist towards God, but it's a self-reflection. Peter's first response at the overwhelming scenario, forget boats full of fish, forget sinking boats and tearing nets. He goes, listen, I'm looking at myself and I don't have what it takes to be in the presence of who you are. That's such an honest confession, I love it. When you find yourself in, in uncertainty, when personal and social chaos is at your front doorstep, I'm praying that your first assessment is not of, I wish this person would have led better, I wish these people would have done a better job at what they need to do. I hope that it's a personal assessment. Jesus, check my heart. And I love that it says that he came and he fell at Jesus' knees because if the boat's full of fish, to the point of his sinking certainly he had to like shove a bunch of fish out of the way just to see Jesus' knees. And he gets down and he's like, Jesus, you're holy. And I'm, I'm, I don't have what it takes to even understand what's happening right now. And I think of my own, my own life as a kid. You know, I joke about my grandparents and. And they provided such a good security for us. But man, between, between me being a teenager at the age of 12, changing to 13, and me giving my life to Jesus at the age of 17, away at some high school camp, man, we were pressed with challenges. My parents started a business in Mexico that was supposed to be like, Like, you guys ever go to In-N-Out Burger? Like, In-N-Out in California is like the holy grail of hamburgers. So we started like an In-N-Out in Mexico that was like, for people that only eat like tacos and tortas and beans and tortillas all the time, that was like, oh, right? (laughs) That business kicked butt for so many years, and then all of a sudden the Lord was like, oh, that's interesting because you used to be a family that loved me and spent weekends with me, and now you're just running business. And so as the Lord graciously removed that from my family, man, the stresses would be unbelievable. My dad would go back. My dad's a a mechanical engineer. He's in the aerospace engineering field and work was nowhere to be found. And so we were on unemployment forever. We had literally gone from a, a four bedroom house in one of the best communities in San Diego to a 22 foot mobile home trailer in what the New York Times would call the meth capital of the world the year we moved there. And in that time, my mom, with my family, history of mental illness, my mom would have bipolar surge to the surface and she would make an attempt on her life two times. And as a kid with two younger brothers and my dad away looking for work in as far, places as far as Los Angeles, and you come across something like your mom in a note that says, I'm really sorry, mijo, but I just it's worse for the family to have me than to not. You look at your scenario and you go, there are some securities here that I thought were supposed to be built in, Jesus. And as a young kid, I understood there's not a lot that's really promised to be eternally safe. God's graces would have it that miraculously, my mom, you know, several days after taking more pills than she ever should have, would walk on her own power, really the grace of God walked back through our front door alive so broken my father would eventually find work and our family would recenter itself on Jesus and I remember my dad telling me one time as we were on our knees literally praying that my mom would just come home he said he goes, mijo even if Even if mom never makes it back, Jesus is still good. And it's the provision that you find yourself in total provision and total chaos in the same moment. And I'll tell you this, you don't know me from the guy maybe sitting next to you, but Jesus is the only thing in a social chaos and in a personal chaos that is eternally secure. And the beauty about the goodness of God, and this isn't everyone's story, but my parents, they found Jesus and they arrive 30 years later, a loving couple that hosts people. And my mom shares her story of it not being who you are, but something that you go through in order to remain at the feet of Jesus. My parents host people at our house in Mexico, which used to be my grandparents' house now several churches and rehab groups come to that house see when all of my family's systems and securities were sunk when everything was was supposed to be was no longer jesus remained on the horizon and man i had nothing but but two arms and a few feet just to kick and swim to him and I'll tell you this much. I don't know what you're leaning on. I don't know what it is that you, you hold to if it's your family or your spouse or your job or your education or your professional future or what it is that you have collected in your bank accounts, but none of it is eternal like the promise of Jesus and a life reconciled to your maker. Jesus is so, so good. And what I, what I love about Peter and his, his response, it says that him and all of his friends were astonished. And, and in an older version, NASB, it says that, they, that amazement had seized him. When was the last time you were seized by your Savior? See, I wonder sometimes if you go through the things you go through and because of God's goodness and his grace, when you give your life to him, it's not all rainbows and unicorns, but he says, listen, life's gonna be tough no matter what. We are in a fallen world, but I am the constant in your life. And if you learn to lean towards me when things get hard, instead of grasping at all these things that are vapor at the end of a life, if you grab towards me, the other people in the boat will see that and their life will be changed also. For me, I cannot tell you how many people have suffered through the same agonies of mental illness and and a life surely to be fractured because there was no hope at, at the end of the road for my family. And I'll tell you this Jesus, because of his goodness, has a story of reconciliation for every family surrendered to him. And Peter's friends are left amazed because his response was self reflection and surrender. So the question is, what are you fighting and what are you holding on to in your securities when it should be Jesus? Because you have plenty of people in your world who are watching, wondering who you're going to hold on to. Make it Jesus, don't make it anything else. And I love the ending of this. The Bible says that they they took the catch, which would have been like, buying a $10 scratcher and hitting $100,000 off of it. That's the reality of dropping your nets super insignificantly, coming up with two boatloads. Bible says they drag them to the shoreline and Jesus says, listen, don't fear. If fear is creeping in, I want you to eradicate it because at this point, you're not just gonna be fishing for fish, it's gonna be fishing for men. You're now on journey with me. You're now with me. You're a part of this. You're no longer just a taker of grace. You're a partaker in grace. We as a family, I'm telling you, I'm burning the clock. I love it. As a family, we are partakers of the good news of the kingdom of God. And if we sit in the shallows which Jesus' grace will allow you to be in, it's okay but he calls all of us, every single one of us, to deeper waters where you cannot reach and you cannot touch, you cannot see the bottom, you don't know what the future holds, but I'll tell you this, your savior is with you in the boat asking, would you go that far? If you go that far, man, it's gonna be tough and you're gonna see water, it's gonna splash in your face, your makeup's gonna drip, it's okay. I'm telling you, there's grace to be had like you've never experienced before and it's not for you, it's for those who are around you. I'm telling you this much, Jesus is calling you to deep waters. And I love that with a fortune on the shoreline of their recent catch, Jesus is better than the fortune. Jesus is better than security on security. The Bible says that they got to shore and they left everything and they followed him. So if you're wrestling right now and you're saying, Jesus, you know, if you could just take care of this, then I'd love to follow you. The bottom line is for the disciples, man they had everything and their decision was to leave it boats teams jobs work successful business a boatload of fish which equaled money and he said Jesus you're better than the catch ask yourself this morning is Jesus better than the catch just ask yourself that question and we can close we can close with this there's two people in the room there's two people that are streaming there are two people everywhere You are either suffering from grabbing onto things that have no eternal value and you're making something your security that shouldn't be or you're in a sinking boat and you need to know that Jesus is in the boat with you. So I'm gonna pray for you right now and I'm gonna have you pray with me and one of two things, you can say, Jesus, forgive me because I really need you to be the centerpiece, the security for me and my family and my future or you can say, you know what, Jesus, I have nothing and I just figured out you're in the boat with me. I wanna give everything I've got to you. I'm gonna give you the opportunity to pray that right now. Would you do me a favor and pray? Jesus, thank you so much for how good your word is. Thank you that your grace meets us where we are on the shoreline. Thank you that you walk with us to the shallows, Lord, but ultimately you call us to the deep waters. And Lord, for so many of us, we're sitting on the shore waiting for our ship to come in when in reality, Lord, you're in the boat asking us to shove it out to unknown places. God, and I think of the people in the room right now who just need to ask forgiveness because they've been clinging to something either as a single person or as a married couple or as a family, Lord, they've been clinging to something that's not quite you. And Lord, would you recenter our focus? And Lord, for those of us in this room who are experiencing a sense of chaos and our world is sinking and it's tearing and it's, it's falling apart, Lord, would we know that with you we are, we are sinking but we're not sunk Lord, we're breaking, but we are not broken. God, and for for the person sitting here, for the person listening online in the stream, God, that we would surrender to you. You just have to pray this prayer and you have to start walking like you believe it. It just says, Jesus, forgive me for thinking that I could do this on my own. And clearly I don't have what it takes to lead my life, but certainly I believe you do. And I'm not all there, Lord. I have a lot of junk in my life, but I am all in. And I believe that you have what it takes to save me and save my scenario and save my soul. Lord, would you lead my life? Would you forgive me for thinking that it was mine? Would you forgive me for my sins? Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm gonna pass it right now to the extension campuses. You guys can close your own services. For those of us in the room, I do not want you to miss the opportunity for two things. If you prayed one of those two prayers or if you've been attending this church and you're yet to get involved, I'm praying that you would know that this moment is for you. Share your information with us and get get into the boat and get started on the journey of being a partaker in the good news that that Northridge is bringing to this state. And if, if you find yourself sitting in your seat and you're just like, Mingo, I, I'm, I'm ready to get there eventually, but I just need somebody to pray for me. I want you to know that, that that's available to you. At the bottom of the stage here will be people willing to pray for you and share story. I'll be over there somewhere in the dark if you wanna stop by and say hi. But I just want you to know Jesus loves you. This church loves you. And we can't wait to see what God is gonna do in this community. I'm so thankful you guys shared your Sunday with me Have a great Sunday.